Yes, I'm wearing my running get-up today because it is time to run. Uh, turn, turn to, yeah, amen. Turn to one of your neighbors and ask him what time it is. Now give him the answer. Say, it's time to run. It's time to run. That's right. And so we're going to start our, uh, we're going to start our new uh, series called It's Time to Run. You know, I, I just have a confession to make. Um, I don't look like it, but I, I am a, I am a runner. I used to say I was a jogger and my buddy said, don't ever say you're a jogger. Say you're a runner. All right. So I am a runner. And a, uh, a few years ago, I actually ran a marathon, hard to believe, but um, uh, I subscribed to a guy, there, there, was, there was kind of a really big guy who was a runner, and he had a special program uh, for us big guys, and uh, he had had little mottos and inspirational sayings for big guys, and in fact, they make t-shirts, and one of the t-shirts says, start slow, and then back off. Start slow and back off. You know that was kind of my that was kind of my motto uh, when it came to running. I, I ran a marathon in under six hours. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I finished just before the road opened up again for traffic to start driving again. But uh, so we're going to start this new series, uh, time to to run. And if you've got your Bibles, and I, I believe I have it up on the screen, Hebrews chapter eleven, verses thirty nine through. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, says, uh, and, and you kind of have to know the, the prequel to this. Uh, if you know anything about the, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 is what uh, Christians often call the hall of fame of faith. It, it contains people like Abraham and Noah and, and Sarah and great heroes of the faith who, who all died in faith. And so he's just given this whole list of these heroes of the faith And then he begins in verse 39 saying, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these people who have died in faith, they're now a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now that's the typical reading, but I read it in the message as well, and I want to read it to you in the message the way that I think that maybe the writer of Hebrews was was feeling it when he said it. He said it, I think, like this. This is like a motivational speech. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Do you see what that means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. 
Strip down. Start running. Never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Come on, get excited, somebody out there. All right. All right. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with everything along the way. Cross. Shame. Whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that litany of hostility he plowed through, that you, that will shoot adrenaline in your veins. That's how, that's how, uh, that's how the writer of the man, now I'm exhausted. All right. Chris Oaks and I, uh, Pastor Chris, uh, who does some preaching here sometimes, in fact, he's preaching next Sunday, Um, we were talking about Life Church and our future in the next series coming up, and uh, we both felt like it was time to preach a message that sort of prepared us for what we're getting ready to do, and, and not just the physical move, but I don't know about you, but I just I just believe that some great things are going to happen on 1015 Cedar Lane, and I don't know about you, but I'm believing for a great harvest of souls. How many believe that? I'm excited about that. I believe that uh, with all my heart. And uh, so Chris came up actually with this idea about time to run, and this passage is sort of a theme passage uh, for this time. Now, um, Noah's sitting up here because without Noah knowing it, or without Noah knowing what Chris and I were doing, Noah was uh, getting excited about Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 on his own in his study time with God, and he wrote a song. Uh, And he wrote a song based on these passages of Scripture. And uh, he didn't know that we were going to be preaching this message. And so Melanie heard what I was going to be preaching about. And she said, hey, I was just talking to Noah. And he just wrote a song about that very passage. And so he's going to do the debut of his new song. All right, here you go.
man. Why don't you stay there? Why don't you, uh, why don't you let us sing the bridge? Let us sing the bridge with you in the chorus. You want to, you want to sing it one time? Let's start with the bridge. We won't do the verses and everything, but just endured the cross, despised the shame, and all was lost. Why don't you all stand for a second? You I have to make is that uh, this summer I have not been running. <laughs> I've been eating too much ice cream and I've been just uh, watching my wife get out of bed and run and thinking, yeah, I think I'll take a pass this morning and just gotten a little bit out of shape. And um, the reason I tell you that is because the writer of Hebrews said that the church was doing the same thing. This church was now getting a little bit older, and they were getting lazy, and they were getting spiritually flabby, and they had sort of lost their cutting edge, and they were just sort of, it was becoming hard to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, and, and it became where they didn't really feel like in their small groups that anything was really at stake. Uh, they didn't think it was important to meditate on the Word. Uh, and to pray and to fight against sin, and they had grown spiritually lazy, and that's what the book of Hebrews is all about. So what we're going to do in this series, A Time to Run, is we're going to have a hashtag after the word Time to Run for each week, which will be the sermon topic. And so this week it's Time to Run, hashtag motivation. What is it that motivates us to run? And I got to tell you, my wife's been motivating me just by watching, watching her. She's been running all summer long. She ran two days ago in 95 degree heat, five miles, came back, beat red. I'm like, Melanie, you're awesome. And uh, so I actually ran yesterday, Joe. I got inspired and I got out and I ran again uh, just because I was inspired because Melanie has been inspiring me. The reason for Hebrews chapter 11 is, is to say, and this is the first point if you're taking notes today, uh, the reason that we should be motivated is that there were others that blazed the trail before us. We are not the first ones to run. We are not the first ones in this race. 
And I was so excited when I went through this uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and I went through it in the message, and it said this about Noah in the message. It said, Noah built a ship in the desert. I love that. Think about building a ship in the desert. And I thought about, you know, that when I go down the, the, the street and I see all these churches, you know, and, and I know the spiritual climate uh, in America these days where 85% of millennials are no longer identifying with any religious group. And I'm thinking, you know what we're trying to do when we're building a church? We're trying to build a ship in the desert. And the only reason you might build a ship in the desert is you might be believing that it's going to rain. <laughs> You're believing that there's a reason to have that ship. And so, and so at Life Church, we're trying to build a ship in the desert. We have, we have not paid attention to the, to the spirit of the age and to the, to the lackadaisicalness that's, that's all around us. And we've said, you know what, we're going to build anyway. We will build a church right in the middle of this desert. And we're going to see lost people get saved and come to Jesus. Amen. And so people like Moses who it said chose the hard life with God's people rather than a soft life with the oppressors. Be inspired by people who chose a hard life. John chapter 4, verses 36 through 38 says, Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I'm getting ready to show a video clip um, that I took the other day out at 1015 Cedar Lane because we've just finished our 21 days of prayer. And um, uh, while we were having our Saturday prayer meeting uh, on the first Saturday, um, I was out there praying, uh, I confess, with my eyes open. I was, how many of you all pray with your eyes open sometimes? I was praying. I like to pray with my eyes open because I just feel like sometimes sometimes God just kind of speaks to you when you got your eyes open. And I, I had my eyes open, and I don't remember who was praying. But I looked out, and I saw there's two beautiful trees, as you know, on the front of the 1015 Cedar Lane uh, property. And I, I was told there used to be three trees, but... A storm took one out, but now there's two beautiful large trees. And when I saw those trees, um, I had a thought about two people. And one was our founder, Paul Cowell, and the other was Morris Bagwell, who just finished pastoring uh, for 19 years. And so I reflected on that, and uh, some of you saw on Facebook, I put a little cheapo little video of that uh, on Facebook, but I got a pro to help me out, and so Chan... Uh, if you haven't met Chan yet, this is Coy's son, Chan Williams. Uh, he's a pro with, with the video, uh, and so he did a video for me the other day, and uh, this is what we took.
Amen. Aren't you thankful for our predecessors? <clears throat> I, I talked to Paul Cowell the other day, and he talked about building that first building that was supposed to cost 18000 and it went over budget, and it was about 30000 And they went to dedicate the building, and the district superintendent of the denomination they were part of came to town for the dedication, and, and he said, how much did this cost? He said, 30000 He said, how many people do you have? He said, about 20. He said, do you know there's a difference between, there, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And uh, Paul said, boy, that was the truth. But you know what? When you look at this Hebrews chapter 11, these people looked foolish to other people. They were building ships in the desert. They were doing things with little resources and little people, uh, with, with very few people, and God did great things. Uh, uh, and then Morris Bagwell. Morris Bagwell, uh, if you didn't know him, had a personality that, uh, that could fill Knoxville. Uh, he, he, everybody that knew him loved him, and he was a pastor's pastor, loved people. But he did hard work. There were times when he, when he ministered here that he didn't get paid. Uh, when he ministered, the last, was it five years of his ministry that he had mesothelioma? The last three years of his ministry had mesothelioma. Uh, lesser men would have quit during a time like that, Pastor Morris continued to, 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 to preach and to, and, to, and to exhibit faith and to uh, continue to uh, move this vision forward so that the vision wouldn't die because he understood that the vision was bigger than the visionary. Amen. And so, uh, and so he gave his life uh, in this uh, place. The next point I want to make about uh, our predecessors is that their race is, and um, you might be thinking the word here is finished, but it's not. Their race is unfinished. The scripture said God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. They've handled their part of the race, but how many knows that the race still goes on? And that their race is unfinished, and that the work that they did, all of these people, no matter how great they were, if they were Abraham or Sarah or Noah, when they died, they died with an, it was incomplete. It, there, was, there was more that was still yet to come that had to finish the work that they were that they were called to do. Paul Cowell's work is not yet done. Paul Cowell came here and built this church in 1964, but his work is not yet done. He went the first 11 years without receiving a salary, but his work is not done. Morris Bagwell fought the good fight of faith. He finished the course and he kept the faith, but the race continues. The vision is bigger than the visionary. Amen. And the race continues to go on. Amen. Now the next thing that I'm going to say is very important. Our predecessors are counting on us. The work that they left and the legacy that they left, a lot of it has to do with what we do after they pass on. They're counting on us. Paul Cowell, I know because he's still alive, is counting on us. Morris Bagwell, I know, is counting on us. He's counting on the fact that the dream uh, would continue. And he's counting on us. What's he counting on us for? He's not counting on us 
to do it the way that Morris did it or to do it the way that Paul did it. In fact, I had a, I had a professor in, in seminary uh, who died recently, a very famous guy by the name of Dallas Willard. And, and he, uh, he commented on this thing, what would Jesus do? Uh, and he said, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? But he said, that's an inappropriate question. Because the truth is, you're not Jesus, and, and you didn't live in his times. And, and, and so the question is really, what would Jesus do if Jesus were you? That's the real question. What would Jesus do if Jesus were you? Instead of trying to come along little decision points and figure out what Jesus would do, why don't you adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, have the commitment to God that Jesus had, and that if you do that, then you'll start making the kinds of decisions that Jesus would have made. And so, and so Paul Cowell doesn't want us to, uh, uh, the, 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 it's not appropriate for us to, to say, what would Paul do, or how would Paul have done it, or how would Morris Bagwell have done it, because, uh, because the race continues, and we're on the next leg of the race, but the issue is, We've got to emulate the same kind of faith that they had. The same kind of commitment to God. Not doing the things exactly the way that it, w- it wouldn't be inappropriate. It wouldn't be appropriate for us in 2014 to do a church the same way that they did it in 1964. But we've got to have the same kind of life. We've got to have the same kind of commitment to Jesus. What I want to share this congregation is that when I came to Life Church, I came with a clear call on my life. I didn't come because Paul Cowell called me and invited me to come to this church. In fact, in response to the phone call, I said, thanks, but no thanks. But when I got alone with God in the Holy Land and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me uh, while I was there, I received a call from God. So I'm not here because somebody called me on the telephone and asked if I would just participate in a mission. But I came here called by God to do a mission. And so I'm here on mission. And, uh, and, and I, can, I can assure you, Life Church, that as best as I know how, I'm committing myself to listening to the Holy Spirit, to, to, to engaging in the spiritual disciplines so that God can tell us uh, how to proceed uh, from this point. That's what we're, we're called to do. Uh, we're, called, uh, we're called to do that. Why? Because our predecessors are counting on us. Let me just, let me just and I'm not just talking about me. Our predecessors are counting on you. Our predecessors are counting on you. They're counting on you to keep the, keep the faith. Don't lose heart. Don't get out of the game. Keep the faith strong. Amen, amen, amen. And then the last point I want to make is that our predecessors are witnessing to us. It says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, there's two optional meanings for that, even in the Greek, uh, for that word witness. It can be a witness like somebody who stands by and is just kind of watching. Or it can be somebody who's actually giving testimony to. And the belief by most commentators is it is this, is this second one, that our predecessors are not just standing by and watching, but that our predecessors are actively cheering us on. That our predecessors are actually part of the great cloud of witnesses 
who now their lap in the relay is over, and they're standing on the sidelines, and they're saying, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. Come on. I finished my lap, but you can do it. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't get spiritually lazy. Don't get flabby. It's time to run. Amen. And so I believe that our predecessors are, are, are witnessing to us. Why do I believe that? I believe that because in this very passage of Scripture about Abel, it says, By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. Now listen to this. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith Abel is still speaking to us even though he's dead that those who have died in faith continue to speak to us, continue to cheer us on, continue to say, come on, guys, we can do this. Come on, Life Church. This ain't nothing but a thing. There's people before us who've gone on and they've done the hard work. It's harvest time, church. We can do this, Life Church. We've put up with some hard times so you can make it. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. little story I want to conclude with, and then I'm going to ask Coy and Eulen and Judy if they would come forward. But, but before you do, um, it was a thrill to this entire church, and, 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 and if you know Ben Bagwell, he's not going to stand up and uh, probably preach next Sunday. Uh, he's an introvert, but he's a great, great guy. It was a real encouragement to this church when, uh, I guess it was around December, of last year, maybe December, January, Ben Bagwell walked in the back doors, and we saw him. Now, now the reason that's significant to this church is Ben was a little boy in this church, but he'd spent a lot of time away from the church, not not living, not even really living like the prodigal son, a wild and riotous life. He was he was a pretty mellow heathen, but a heathen he was. <sighs> he was apart from God, and far from God. And for some strange reason, not because I had called him, not because I had made some phone call. I didn't know Ben, really. I'd seen him a couple times at his grandma's house. But he just walked into church, and then we were kind of shocked to see him the next week. <laughs> and the next week. And, and, and Ben would tell you at that time that he was an atheist. And um, he started coming, coming to church. He didn't make any bold professions, but he just started coming. And the other reason, the significance, this is Morris Bagwell's grandson. This is Morris's daughter's son. And so he just continued to come to church, and pretty soon we saw him up working on the computer, and he was getting involved. And, and I even started a discipleship relationship with Ben where we just started going through the Scripture and stuff, and and one particular um, time, and I, he's, I, he gave me permission to share this today, I, I just challenged him, Ben. I said, Ben, have you, have you crossed the line? You know, it's great that you're coming to church, and it's, all that's wonderful, but have you, have you crossed that line where you said that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Have you, have you surrendered yourself to him? And, 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 and um, where is Ben at? You here? Is he hiding somewhere? He might know I'm telling a story. You back there, Ben? Oh, he, he, I think he's back there. But anyway, so I, I asked him if he'd crossed the line, and uh, he, um, 
he said he hadn't yet, and um, he just said he needed some time. And uh, Ben called me the next day. And if you know Ben, this was this was not Ben's normal self. His voice, he was emotional. And he said, Phil, he said, um, for the first time since my grandfather died, he had great respect for his grandfather. He said, I visited his grave. And he said, by the way, I didn't know this till this morning, just before service. I knew this part, but I didn't know what scripture was. He said he read the scripture on his grandfather's grave. And when he read the scripture on his grandfather's grave, he said, I talked it out with Jesus. And I gave my heart to the Lord. This morning I said, do you remember what that scripture was? He said, I think it was Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He talked about having dreams about his grandfather. Sort of inspired him to start coming to church. Those that are have gone on before are witnessing. Come on. Come on. We could do this. We could do this. Stop pussyfooting around. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? It's not time to be spiritually lazy. It's time to get in the game. I know Morris, Judy. I know Morris. He's running in place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's excited. So I've just come... I'm going to ask Eulen and Judy and um, and Coy to come. I've just basically come to to lift my hands. That's why I moved to that's why I moved to Knoxville just to lift my arms. That's all I came to do because I can't build a church because Jesus said He'd have to do it. And so I've just come to to stand here in Knoxville and just raise my arms. But can I just tell you? Can I just be honest with you this morning and tell you that? been raising my arms and and my arms get tired my arms get tired I know I heard from God I know I heard from God I know God called me to this place there's times just in the fight you know what I'm talking about you just in the fight you just just get tired 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 of it. And when I've been tired, there's this guy named Coy who was here since the first year that the church was born and got saved. And he's mowed the lawn now for 50 ever seen the lawn at 1015 Cedar Lane he doesn't mow the grass he manicures the lawn we appointed him as an elder in this church and I just want to say 
Koi, thank you. Koi has been just a, an arm holder the whole time I've been here. It's just, you know, one time he told me a few weeks ago, he goes, you're not what we expected, but you're what we needed. That's what he told me. That's what he told me. Then on the other arm, I have had Eulen over here, and Eulen's just been holding up my arm. People give Eulen a hard time because he always has a good word to say. He's always encouraging. Oh, Eulen, you know, it doesn't mean anything when Eulen says he's always encouraging. You know what I told Eulen one time? Don't stop. Don't you dare stop encouraging me, Eulen. Eulen makes me feel like the best preacher in Knoxville. Man, I don't know how many times I can have outdone myself than the Sunday before, but Eulen thinks every Sunday I outdo myself. What I, for one, appreciate that. I, for one, need that. Because what people don't know is without that, without that, my hands get tired. My hands get tired. And then, and then Judy Bagwell's, let me just say something kind of awkward. It, it's a little weird having the former pastor's wife, you know, like this close all the time. It's not weird, Judy, but it could be weird. You know what I mean? It, 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 it could be weird. And, and, and there's, there's horror stories around America of former pastors or former pastors uh, uh, that are attending churches that just make it terrible for the new pastor. Can I just tell you that Judy Bagwell is like wind beneath my wings? That, that Judy Bagwell told me the other day, whatever you're for, pastor, I'm for it. Come on now. Seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's don't get weary in the fight. And I just want to say thank you to Coy and to, to Eulen. Uh, Irene, Coy's wife, you hardly ever see her because she's back with the babies every Sunday. But she's one of our elders and she is so encouraging. She's a woman of God. So could we just give Judy and Coy and Eulen and Irene a hand and just say thank you for holding the arms. Amen. Amen. I love you. 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 Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you. Amen. Amen. Let us run. 